I got a word today. And we, we have been focusing on the culture that we want to build together. And I shared with you last week that there are several components that are necessary in establishing a culture. Whether it's in a church, whether it's in a business or organization, the culture will be determined by several factors. And so last week I showed you a graph. In, in the center of the graph is the circle with the title culture in it. Outside is a circle of circles that includes the different elements that are necessary to establish a culture within a church, within a, an organization, within a business. The culture will be established as those outside circles are implemented and displayed on a consistent basis within that church organization or business. So what are those components? The first on the top circle you see is beliefs. Beliefs. And then comes values. And then artifacts or symbols that reinforce the values and beliefs that that company, that that church, that organization or business adheres to. But then, in order for the, these values and these artifacts and these beliefs to solidify the culture that is what the, the church or business or organization wants to establish, there must be behaviors that are consistent. Behaviors that are consistent. And the reason I point that out is because there is a process for building a culture. And I want you to know that here at CWC Life, CV, we express our values as what we believe. And we see them as vital in defining and displaying our church's DNA. Because what we value, we become. What we value, we become. Now, I shared with you as well that culture is best displayed not defined because if you were to study different leadership books in which there is a definition of culture you would find different meanings or definitions offered regarding culture but culture is best displayed not defined why do i say that you can define it but if it's not displayed the definition means nothing the definition must translate to demonstration. If you want a culture to be established and solidified, the definition, what you define as the culture that you want to display through your organization, it must be demonstrated through consistent behavior in order to be established. Now, I love what I came across, a statement by Ian Rinkin. Ian Rinkin says this, so often, we as Christians steal things from the culture to stay relevant. But the reality is, God has called us to build a culture, not copy one. God has called us to build a culture, not copy one. Now, last week I shared with you our first belief or value regarding the culture that we are seeking to establish here at CWC Life CV. I, I shared with you that we believe in the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. 
What we believe regarding the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is that he is the God who works through different processes to fulfill his purpose in individuals. And we believe that like him, we are not to use a cookie-cutter approach in seeing the development of God's life within individuals. And like him, we need to know that people are at different stages in their journey, in their walk with the Lord. Some are in the childhood stage. Some are in the adolescent stage. Some are in the adulthood stage. And as we see through the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he dealt with each of them according to their bent, the way he made them, the way he formed them, the temperament that he gave them. He dealt with them accordingly. He doesn't use a cookie cutter approach in the development of his working and life in our lives because he values individuals. And the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, also that title reveals that he fulfills his covenant. He fulfills his promises to his people. And then we note that to the title, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, God is revealing that he is the one that is faithful to his people from generation to generation, but that also he works through generations. He works through one generation to impact another generation. Now this morning, we are looking at our second value or our second belief, our second belief or value. And it is this. We believe that every church has a choice to make, either risk or rust. We choose to risk. Why? Because those who don't take chances don't make advances. Now, here you need to understand at CWC Life CV, we believe that it is vital that we be a risk-taking church. We believe that we are called to risk because if we don't risk, we will rust. Mm-hmm. Now, Tommy Tenney, a Bible teacher and, and author, he wrote this. He said, some people say life hasn't given them any chances. You were given life. You must take chances. Hmm. And then poet T.S. Eliot, poet T.S. Eliot stated, Only those who will risk going too far can possibly find out how far one can go. Only those who will risk going too far can possibly find out how far one can go. Now, it is important, again, that we reiterate Every church has a choice to make, risk or rust. And to rust means to waste away one's potential powers through inaction. To waste away one's potential powers through inaction. To risk means to take a chance. And remember, only those who take chances make advances. One day I was studying a New Testament book of the Bible. And there was a chapter in that book that spoke to me. And in it and through it, God revealed to me some risk-taking truths. And what he was showing me is that I have a bigger catch for the church. But in order for you to experience the bigger catch, you've got to be willing to risk. 
And out of this passage, he revealed to me four risk-taking truths that are necessary for a church to implement in order to be risk-taking and to experience the bigger catch. So let's look at that passage. It's found in Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse 1 down to verse 7. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats, say two boats, standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's or Peter's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled or worked all night and caught what? Nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Wow. Now, there are several risk-taking truths revealed in this biblical passage that I want to share with you. The first truth is this. You've got to leave the shore to obtain the more. You've got to leave the shore... To obtain the more. I want you to say to yourself, say self, you've got to lunch to get your lunch. Uh huh. You've got to be willing to lunch in order to get your lunch. In fact, you know what the Bible confirms? There is no loaf for the loafer. If he don't work, he don't eat. It's in the Bible. So there's people talking about, I want this, I want that. No, you don't, because you're still at the shore. you got to be willing to lunch if you want to get your lunch. In other words, only those who dare will obtain their share. You've got to be willing to go out on a limb. Why? Because that's where the fruit is. You see, churches that are risk-taking don't settle for living in the comfort zone. They don't settle on their past achievements. They don't sit on their laurels. They don't sing standing on the promises and remain sitting on the premises. Because they know that in order for you to experience the move of God, you also got to move with God. You also got to be willing to move with God. So you've got, you've got to leave the shore to obtain the more. That's what the Lord was telling Simon there in verse 4. He said, launch out into the deep. Launch out into the deep. Now, there are a lot of people. Have you ever gone to uh, the coast? And, and, and you see the majority of the people here in, 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 in the West Coast, when they go to the, 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 the water at the coast, the majority of the people go to be by the water. They don't go into the water, right? Why? Because it's cold. Pacific Ocean is cold. But if you've ever gone to the Atlantic Ocean, 
You go to the East Coast, it's warmer. You want to go in. And I see there's a lot of believers that are content with building sandcastles on the shore. Or wiggling their toes in the sand. And they're, they're comfortable just sitting there on their chair reading a book or taking in the sun. And, but, and they're, they're missing out of what is out there. Because you can't experience the beauty of what's in the ocean without being willing to launch out into the ocean. And the reason why the Lord was saying to Simon, launch out into the deep, because he wanted Simon to know, I'm not just going to give you any little catch. I'm going to give you a great catch. But in order to get the great catch, you got to be willing to go deeper. you got to be willing to go further. You've got to be willing to risk more. So you've got to leave the shore to obtain more. Here's the second risk-taking truth revealed in this passage. You've got to choose his revelation over your reasoning. You've got to choose his revelation over your reasoning. Choosing his wisdom over your wit. Mm -hmm. Look what what, what Simon does in verse 5. But Simon answered and said, Master, let me inform you of something. We've toiled, we've worked all night, and caught nothing. Why did he say that? Well, because he knew as a fisherman, the best time to catch fish was at night. And I just told you, this is probably going on in his head. I I just need to let him know, the teacher, because he's the teacher, and you know He's good at it, but I'm the fisherman, and we know the best time to fish is at night. when it, That's when it's most profitable. But now he's telling me, when it's less profitable to not only go fish, but to go deep. And we've been up all night. And so his mind is having to battle, because his reasoning is telling him, this doesn't make sense. When it comes to experiencing what God wants to do in our lives, we need to understand there's a choice we've got to make. Here it is. The choice is between going with what I know or with what God knows. And watch this. When you do the possible... Even when it's not sensible, God will do the impossible. Let me say that again. When you do the possible, even when it's not sensible, God will do the impossible. What are you saying, Pastor? Could Peter go out and fish? Yeah, he knew how to fish. That was possible. But now he's telling him, go out to deep waters and you're going to have a catch. And he's thinking, a catch, a big catch in the daytime is impossible. So he had to battle with what didn't make sense. That's why the Bible says to you and I, 
In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him because He will then make your path straight. He will direct your path. Now, when God brings His people to the Red Sea, what does He tell Moses to do? Stick out your rod. Stick out the stick. Right? Now, let's say that God told me, I want you to lead my people from CWC Life to Kawea Lake because you're going to see something happen. And, and I want you to take them when, when it's really high. And I want you to go out there, and here's what I want you to do. When you guys get to the shoreline of Kawea Lake there, where it's, and, and it's flowing strong, I want you just to, to, to strick, stick out a stick. Now, could I do that? Oh, yeah. Now, we know the story. Moses stuck. God sent a strong east wind. It, it opened up the sea. It divided it and made dry ground. They walked through. But you know what? God didn't tell Moses that's what he was going to do. He simply told him, I want you to go stick out a stick. Here's what we need to know, that when God calls us to experience His working, He's not going to give us the whole plan. Why? Because He wants to see, are you willing to do what's possible in the midst of what does not make sense and trust that some way, somehow, I'm going to do the impossible. That's what it takes. In 1 Kings chapter 17, we read there that Elijah, for a season during the time of famine, and there was no rain, there was no rain happening. What happened? God was feeding him by the, by the brook, and he was sending ravens to feed him. But then the brook dried up. In 1 Kings 17, and then the birds stopped coming with food. And then God tells him, in verses 8 through 16, he tells him, go down to a, to, to Zarephath, which means the place of crucible. Because uh, I have a widow woman that's going to provide for you during this time of famine. God told Elijah, but he didn't tell the widow woman. So Elijah gets there and says, hey, uh, what are you doing to the widow woman? She says, I'm preparing the last meal for my son and I. And Elijah says, okay, but here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to prepare a meal for me first and then for your son and you. Now, the woman has to think. I just finished telling him I'm preparing the last meal that with what I have, the little I have left for me and my son. Now, if I do what he tells me, that means there's only... Meal left for two, unless he's like the typical preacher that will eat the double plate. <laughs> so she's battling with her sensibilities because her senses are, he's telling me to feed him first. And I just told him that I'm preparing the last meal. That's only enough for me and my son. But she did it anyways. And then for the next three and a half years, she never lacked cornmeal. She never lacked a meal because God provided miraculously. And what did Jesus say? But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You've got to choose His revelation over your reasoning. Wow. And here's the third truth that God reveals in this passage. Whatever you offer to the Lord, He will fill. What did Simon offer the Lord? His boat. And Jesus went in there and filled it. 
He filled it with his presence. And he taught from it. And then he says, I want you now to take your boat that I'm asking of you. Launch it out into the deep. And then you're going to get a big catch. And, and Simon not only gives him his boat, then he calls his partners to come. And now the two boats are filled. Because whatever you offer to the Lord, he will fill. In 2 Kings chapter 4, in verses 1 through 7, we have the story of a woman, another widow, who was married at one time to a prophet, but he ends up dying. And now she's up to her eyeballs in, 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 in owing the creditors, and she's afraid because now she's afraid the creditors are going to take her two sons as collaterals, as collateral. And so she doesn't know what to do. Elisha, who was a protege of Elijah, comes into the scene, and he tells her, Look, what do you have? What do you have in your house? And she says, I have nothing except for a little cruise of oil. He says, well, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to all your neighbors, and I want you to ask for vessels. Not just a few, but many vessels. And I want you to pour, I want you to pour your oil into those vessels. Now, imagine what she's got to be thinking. I only have a little, little bit of oil, and I can't even fill one vessel. But he's telling me to go to my neighbors and get all the vessels I can to pour the little bit of oil into each of them. How is that? But she obeys. And she filled every vessel that she got a hold of, and God provided for her so that she was able to pay off her debt because she obeyed. She did the possible, and then God did the impossible, because whatever you offer to the Lord, He will fill. CWC Life, I believe and know in my heart that God has spoken to our house, and He says, you go after more, and I will continue to pour. You go after more, and I will continue to pour. We're not going to settle. We're not going to be satisfied. This is why we began, before the beginning of this year, we said we're going to begin to pray prodigals home, because we know that our God is able to bring back those that right now are in the land of the enemy, and He's going to bring them back to the land of their inheritance. Why? Because He's a God that said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved in your house. We are not giving up on the backslider. We're not giving up on our children that are in rebellion. Because we know that if we pray according to His Word, His power will come and turn their hearts back to Him. We're going after more. And He will continue to pour. I'm telling you. Whatever you offer to the Lord, He will feel. This is why in the upper room in Acts chapter 2, you have 120 people there, and they're waiting on the Lord, and they're offering themselves. They're saying, here we are, Lord. And the Bible says that on Monday, suddenly, the Spirit came and filled them. Let me tell you something else God's revealed to me. He's about to pour out His Spirit, not only in this building. He's going to pour it out in different places, because there's a stirring. There's a hunger. There's a people that say, God, we don't have the answers. Our government doesn't have the answers. But we know that You are the answer. And all we're doing is offering ourselves. And I'm telling you, God is going to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. I've seen it in the past, but He's not the God of only the past. He's the God of the present who says, I'm going to do something greater in your day. We're going to offer it to Him. And He's going to fill us. Here's the fourth principle, truth, regarding risk-taking. Having partners causes the catch 
to be larger. Having partners causes the catch to be larger. Watch this. In verse 7, we we, we see it that uh, the the one boat gets filled with fish. And then it says, so they signal to their partners and the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Ah, In Jesus' day, fishermen had to be willing to work together. Why? They used nets, not hooks. They used nets, not hooks. So they had to be willing to work together and help one another. Now, let me let you in on something. You're sitting right now in a building that required risk. And and I told him in Cutler, you're sitting in a building that is ours. It's paid off in Cutler. But watch this. When we came in in September of 1990 to Cutler, in Cutler, the building we were at, the church, we were renting it. It started off as $1 a year, just maintained the upkeep. Then it went up to $200 a month. And then it went up to $400 a month. And then, so one day, we said, well, why don't we see if we can purchase this building? And so we talked, and, and then, then a crazy idea. We said, well, what, a, what, a, what about if you give us a price, but then you, you uh, count what we've paid as rent as a down payment? <laughs> Might as well take a risk. They said, yeah. Okay. And I didn't go, I didn't go like, ooh. No, I was like, I thought you'd say that. No, no, no. <laughs> and, 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 and here's the thing. Then, then, then we, we decided we're going to do a capital uh, campaign to raise money to pay off the mortgage, right? And so for the first time, and it never happened in the, in the history of the, we decided to do a capital campaign with an organization connected to John Maxwell called Enjoy. Enjoy. And, and, and you know what? We had to pay to work with them like $20,000. And, and you, you ought to see people like, uh, we're paying to raise money? Yeah, but we, because we're like, we, we got to do better than this. We had like a 40 by 40 uh, uh, giving campaign we did on our own. Everybody, but four, at least 40 of us get $40 a month extra. There. But then it was like, we're not getting, we're not making headway. So let's try this. And it's like, okay, let's do it. And, uh, and you don't know how many times I'm, I was at home. Father, please, you know, I, I'm obeying you. But, you know, my, my neck's on the line, Lord. Please, please. And guess what? We ended up through that campaign raising over $70,000. And we paid off our mortgage in half time. In half time. Well, then we're there. And then, and then you guys know. Then we started uh, meeting for Dinuba. We started to meet in the v- Veterans Memorial Building. And I was remembering because we, 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 we had a reception here recently and, and we had to put the folding chairs back. And I was remember for six, I was going to say stinking, but we, we should say wonderful years, wonderful years. Every Sunday we were, we were putting the chairs out and then every Sunday we put them back and we would roll them in and the team would come in and we'd all work together for six years. And then, and then we're like, okay, we need our own building. And, 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 and then we found, I found a building on M Street. If you go down to M Street, uh, it was sold afterwards, but then it's being sold again. And if you drive by, you'll see why. But <laughs> it's like a warehouse building on M Street here. 
downtown. And, 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 and it was like I took our leadership and I said, look, guys, this could be ours. And, and, and we're like talking, yeah, this could be the main floor. I mean, and then we can knock that down and make classrooms there. And then we could restrooms. Oh, no problem. We could just. It would have taken a lot of work. But, you know, I, I'm so glad the team was like, yes, pastor, if you think we can do it. But I know I know that we're like, oh, God, why? And then I get a call from uh, Stan Isaac here uh, that works for Newton. Says, he says, hey, there's a church available. It's the uh, Methodist church. I said, well, let's go check it out. Walked in. And all this here, all this from, from the, all the way up. It was all baby blue, okay? It was, I mean, baby blue, right? And then you had this. This, this wasn't, believe me, in fact, we'll probably end up showing the video. Do we have the video? We have the video. So we'll put it on Facebook, okay? Not now, but later on we'll put it on Facebook. Uh, you should have seen this place. And it was like, but it had all what we wanted over there, which we would have had to work for. And Jesus help us, right? And, and it's like, it was all here. And it's like, but then he told me, Pastor, um, just so you know, there's three other churches that are interested. And I said, well, what's the asking price? And are they coming close? He goes, well, I, I can't tell you what they're offering. I said, well, here's the thing. We're going to offer the max, what they're asking for at the max. Because I knew. I had inside information. No, I didn't, but I, I just, because I was, okay, I know this church, I, ah, they can't do it, so that's, <laughs> really, Pastor? Yes. I'm a businessman, I know. <laughs> and sure enough, we got it, but watch this. You know, Pastor likes to take risks at times, and then it's like, okay, we said, we're going to, this is going to be our grand opening day. Here's the problem. By the time the more the, 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 we, we, we were told, okay, now, now it's yours. From that time to the grand opening date we had already given, we only had two and a half weeks to get this place. I mean, look at the colors now. Isn't that? Woo. And Louis, who's here, he said, I'll do it, Pastor. And then we had, uh, here's the thing. Watch this. Watch this. We didn't just do it by ourselves. Down the road here is Wellspring Christian Center. Their men came to help. And then, and then my friend, Pastor Rick and Pastor Andy from Shining Light Ministries in, in, in Delray, they said, hey, you need help? We'll send some men too. And then we had to pull out carpet. And then, because if you would have seen <laughs> the wonderful colors that were here before, the colors of all the, the, the rainbow, I mean, every color was here. And then we had the, the educational wing that had to be done. And then Santo said, hey, Pastor, we can do it. And it's like, if you, if you knew that where you're at right now, it only happened because there were people crazy enough to believe. If we take the risk and do the possible, God will do the impossible. Oh, what I want you to understand is, here it is. When we work together, we win together. When we work together, we win together. Whew. Someone said teamwork is the fuel that allows common people to produce uncommon results. Teamwork is a fuel that allows common people to produce uncommon results. Now, one of my, my heroes, one of, uh, I consider him a mentor of mine from a distance, 
And I love this man. He's still kicking at 80 plus years of age. When he preaches, I'm telling you, he always preaches vision. He's on fire. He, he, his name is Tommy Barnett. He established a church in, in Phoenix First Assembly. And, and, and then his son is pastoring at the Dream Center in Los Angeles. But Tommy Barnett wrote a book called Multiplication. In it, he shares keys of experiencing multiplication. And in one chapter, he talks about the fact that there are three types of churches. There are risk-taking churches churches, there are caretaking churches, and there are undertaking churches. You have risk takers, caretakers, undertakers. He says, risk taking churches, they live with their eye on tomorrow. They still believe the best is to come. But undertaking churches, they live only for the present. They live only to maintain. They, they live only to survive. And then you have the undertaker churches. You know what these churches are? They're the ones that live in the past. They talk about the good old days, what happened back there and what they did then, but they're doing nothing now. And they're dying on the vine. But here at CWC Live CV, I want you to know that we are risk-taking. We, 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 because why? Because our God doesn't call us to settle. He calls us to stretch. Our God takes us from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from strength to strength. Our God is not a God who calls us to live a static life. He calls us to live a stretching one. Our God calls us to believe that no matter where we're at right now, there's still more that He can accomplish in and through our lives. And so here at CWC Life, I want you to know we are grateful for what God has done, but we're not done yet. Why? Because God's not done yet. There's more that He wants to do. And we are going to contend for it. We're going to risk. We're going to get out of the boat. We're not going to settle. Even when He says, I want you to come out. I know it's stormy, but we're going to be like Simon later on who said, okay, if you just give me a word, I'll come to you, Lord. If He gives us a word and says, look, I want you to do this, we're going to do it. The reason why you're here right now is because there was a group of 25 to 30 people that were part of our Cutler Church who said, Pastor, if you want to believe that we're going to be able to start a church in Danuba, we're with you. I cast a vision before them. They said, we'll be part of that. We'll, we'll sow into it. We'll believe that God's going to provide. And if you understood that, you know, when we were at the hall, God gave us favor there. We ought to have been paying X amount of money per month, but they gave us favor there. God's hand was there. And people said, you know what, no matter what, if we got to set up chairs and take them down, we're here to serve, Pastor. I want you to understand that I'm grateful for what God has done, but I want you to know, church, your pastor is more excited now than I was then. Why? Because I know if he did that, there's a lot more that he can still do because he's got power that is unlimited. He's got power that can perform the impossible. And we're going to go for it. We're going to go for it. Amen. And so, I'm going to tell you what I told him in Cutler. I'm after your money. I'm not ashamed of that because I give too. I want you to, I'm, not, I'm after your money. In Cutler, we are about to commence an upgrade over there. And I told them, I told them, Santa, we need a demolition team. We're going to have a demolition party. I, but I even invited the women. I, I didn't say because I know there's some women that they, 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 got, they, got, they, got, they got temperaments. And they can swing a hammer too. And I said, we, we got to tear down the, the the ceiling of the old sheetrock there in the back. So, uh, and, and I even had some uh, a sister come up to me. You could tell she was from the hood at one time. She said, Pastor, I'll, I'll come and I'll, I'll, if you let me. Oh, yes, I will let you. <laughs> All hands on deck. So here it is. 
Here it is. In, in our giving page, Tithely.com or Tithely, our Tithely app, there is a portion that uh, you, you can scroll and it says KFC. Somebody new asked me the other day, what is that KFC? I see KFC Cutler. I see KFC Dinoba. What does that stand for? I said, that's Kentucky Fried Chicken. I said, when you give to that, you enable me to be able to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken whenever I want. So thank you very much. No, that's not what it is. It means kingdom financing change. Kingdom financing change. And whatever is given to that, we use for the improvements and the upgrading of our two campuses. So if you give to KFC Cutler, that's what's going there. If you give here, that's what's going here. Now, I told you. If you notice on the screen, my, my screen here, this one here, you see all those beautiful stars? Doesn't it look like you're at the galaxy right there, right? But that's because this machine is going out, right? And then this one, isn't it amazing that when it first shows up, it shows up you know, kind of dark, but then it gets bright. You're like, whoa, that's cool. Are they doing that back there? No, it's these machines are going out. So by faith, we purchased two 86-inch screens or TVs. That we're going to put in this, the, 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 the visual is going to be even better. Now, what you need to understand is we have a very good treasure at CWC Life. She keeps track of every penny. And so there are times I take a step of faith and she's like, well, pastor, you know, this is what we have at KFC Dinuba. And uh, it's kind of like we're, you're, you're going overboard here because it's not really in there. So here's the good news, though. We have the money that we need to do what we need to do here. Here's the bad news. It's in your pockets. <laughs> so bring your tithe. That helps the ministry here. But I want you to start sowing more as well towards our KFC. How many of you love KFC? How many of you are grateful for a building that we gather at? I mean, this is awesome. That was good, huh? Kentucky. Was it really good? Okay. You owe me KFC today. Let's pray. (laughs) Father, I thank you. I thank you for what you've done. Lord, we sang about it today about miracles and I've seen miracles my wife and I when we arrived here Lord in 1990 of September to Cutler it was we didn't know what to expect but we did have an expectation that somehow some way you were going to do something even greater than what you were doing and you've done it and you're doing it and yet I believe with my wife and others in this house, as well as at our Cutler campus, what has been done doesn't compare to what you want to still do. And I believe, Father, for the greater. I believe for the greater. And I believe, Father, as I prayed in the early days when we arrived here, there's harvest for CWC Life CV from the north the south, the east, and the west, not only to come to our buildings in Cutler and Dinuba, but I still believe there's other communities where you would have us to reach out to establish a work. 
I believe you're calling people. You're raising them up. You're developing them. Because you want us to expand the influence of your kingdom, its impact in other areas as well. And here we are, like Simon and like his partners in fishing. We offer you what we have. Because whatever we offer, you feel, Lord. You feel. You feel it. Here we are. We offer. And even there as you're seated right now, I'm, some of you would say, Pastor, I need to be filled. I've come today empty. I've come today needing to be replenished and renewed. It's been a stressful week. I've been going through a tough trial in my life, Pastor. And truth be told, the struggle and the strain of the challenge I've been undergoing has left me depleted. I need to be replenished. Well, you're in the right place. And I'm going to invite you just to offer yourself to God. Say, here I am, Lord. I'm an empty vessel who's hungry and thirsty for you, for what you have to offer. Fill me, Lord. Fill my life. I dare you right now to offer yourself, as the Word says, as a living sacrifice. Just surrender to Him right now. Say, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Fill me. I believe the Holy Spirit is confirming the Word right now. He is the administrator. And right now, He is breathing on you. Receive, receive, receive. 